mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where all unsaved changes will unfortunately be lost. My name is Caroline and I put my swims in a swimming pool, then took the ladder away. Joining me is the woman who has married every single person in Stardew Valley, Sarah Maria Griffin. I married Shane in Stardew Valley because I'm basic. Oh, Shane is Shane is emotional hard road, but you do get the blue chickens. So, you know, uh, my personal favorite is Elliot because I like to mirror my own live lived experience of living in total isolation and writing books. Oh yeah, uh, long fabulous hair by the ocean. What a man! What a man! So today we're talking about girl games, which is a, a difficult thing to quantify because obviously. You know, you want to start with the thing that video games are for everyone. Mm. And that is definitely how they started. Video games were for everyone. And then a diversion happened, which I'm interested in getting into, where they became a very hyper-masculinized space. And then women were sort of siloed into a, into girl games. And I'm talking The Sims, um, Neopets, Nintendogs... Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, all this stuff that like was highly feminine in its sort of design and also tended to be less about motor skills and reactions and more about decision and turn-based things and resource management. Mm. Is that, do you think that's accurate? I think it is. I think The Sims especially is something that was probably designed for everyone. Yes. But it found its nesting place and its growing place in the lives of untold quantities of women. Every so often I meet somebody and I start talking about video games and they reach across and they say, did you ever play The Sims? As though did you belong to this dark secret club yes, of women yes. who ached away hours building and constructing these detailed, fictional, perfect sandbox lives or mm. totally off the walls crackers, um, murder factories where you, you know, you, you do um, murder untold, factories. <laughs> untold horrors to these, these digital people. But everybody's experience with the Sims is different, but it's something that seems to matter a huge deal to people but also feels sort of private in that almost every conversation I've had with a girl who plays The Sims is it feels like it just belonged to them. Yeah. And I think that's really, really special. You know? And it's interesting because Sims feels like a like something that would be natural for like an open world online play yeah, game. Yeah. And yet hasn't happened because I think we know it's a private world you create just for mm, yourself. Mm, and that's the real that's the real magic with video games I think and why I go to them and why I know a lot of people go to them which is this sort of sense of transport or this sort of like passageway into a different place a calmer or wilder or um, better place you know it's an it's another another world and that sounds very silly and very childish but it's not childish because play simply cannot just be for children play is so holistic and it's um I don't know. I think it's more important than work. (laughs) And I will put a video game down if it feels like work. I'll tell you, I really, really will. The second it starts to feel like labor, I'm like, and I don't know what that magical quantity is, where the point at which, you know, 
growing fairy roses to get a very specific kind of expensive honey in Stardew Valley doesn't feel like labour to me. It feels <laughs> like joy. It is know? just tasks and arduous things. Um, but there's something, something else. There's an ineffable thing that makes the arduous tasks and the waiting for spring to come so you can grow the certain thing mm. pleasurable. The resource management, right? Which, again, as as a phrase, sounds like hell on earth. Yeah. You know, if I was presented with a job opportunity that says the primary f- feature of this job is resource management, I would be like, oh, that simply is not for me. Yeah. A video game, however... Resource management can mean anything from running your farm to collecting pieces of um, uh, flowers and uh, teeth from animals to build tiny effigies, you know, or it can be running a bed and breakfast on a boat that leads people across the river to the underworld as it is in Spiritfarer. There are so many different ways to manage your little bits and pieces. Animal Crossing is a resource resource management game. I don't know what it is about keeping these things in order that feels good Mm. and I think it is something to do with power fantasy and control fantasy but that's a whole oh that's a whole other thing so (laughs) I do want to get into in a big way yeah yeah for sure before we do um let me just like tell everyone your your creds I guess um so you're you're a novelist like me um but you also do a strong line in video games journalism and I think the way you write and talk about video games in both journalism like The Guardian and I think Kotaku as well. Right? Yeah, I had my first one. That was, that was a real like... Very cool. Ooh, my first one. It was very exciting to finally get to write for Kotaku. I was so... I've been reading them for more years yeah. than I can count and to finally cross that bridge was I mean, really it's the big special. American cool one. Oh it's my great. God. It was so... I'm, I'm just delighted by it, you know. But even thrilling. before that on your social media, you were always this person. I mean, you're you're close friend Mm. (laughs) but (laughs) you are the reason that I got into games again as an adult really because I like I started playing games you know with my brothers when I was six or seven you Mm. know we had um we had a Sega and then we had a PlayStation, but then we had a we had a Game Boy. And the, for me, I fell in love with games with the Pokemon games. And I'll mm. still buy every single one of those games when they come out, even though it is throwing money into a hole. I got to respect your commitment to the bit. <laughs> every so often when a new Pokemon game comes out, I get a text from you that's just enraged by it, rightly so. Um, and I do remember the I'm first... I'm just throwing good money after bad. You know? <laughs> Gotta catch them all, buddy, you know. And we're chasing that feeling, right? Yeah. We're chasing that feeling of being a child that is touching the surface of another world like I when I first my first experience with Pokemon was that my dad had downloaded a set of emulators onto our household PC and I played Pokemon Blue on the PC with my two hands crossed over each other because I'm left-handed and I, I don't always um computer uh, keyboard play is very difficult for me so with one hand over the other until my wrist went dead I would use the tiny four arrow buttons on the side of the keyboard with the numbers and then the space bars enter and I navigated Pokemon like with my arms across each other like this the whole way to the Elite Four uh, alone without anybody to talk to about it because it felt strange and it, it wasn't a game that anybody it was before it was out it was a, a hack it was a translation made by like fans and then when it hit our televisions um my whole world was completely rocked like i suddenly had this deep secret but unfortunately it was not a secret shared by any of the girls i knew oh, i was maybe 11 maybe less yeah. maybe 10 very very young and that is not a juncture at which in the 90s uh to that sort of 90s to 90s juncture that you uh, you want to be suddenly um not 
like other girls which is a really important part of talking mm-hmm. about being a teenage girl who plays video games but with your writing about Pokemon you wrote a really brilliant essay for The Guardian and that was when our conversation really started about video games where I realised mm-hmm. that you were as into it as in terms of your inner life as a hobby it was something that meant something to you that mm-hmm. landscape from Pallet Town all the way across had lodged in you and that that was when I was like oh wait hold on We've been to the same place. <laughs> we visited the same country. Yeah. What did you find there? Yeah. You know? And it's, it's, um, but then, you know, talking about video games and then you started sort of chucking me recommendations and mm. um, this is, this is going to make people furious, this next bit of the conversation <laughs> because it would make me furious. But I wrote this essay, it's like 2000 words long essay for The Guardian about my love of Pokemon and how it sort of taught me how to build stories Mm. and then Nintendo sent me a Switch (laughs) Is that what happened? Oh Caroline I'm on the floor Going no fuck me fuck my drag Fuck my drag Caroline That's amazing But then with that came this um the first uh, real adult portal into gaming and also COVID hit. Yeah. So I was getting into indie games for the first time. This place where, and I do think that like, to diverge, um, you know, the 90s, our generation, millennials, the first sort of generation of people who like grew up with games as the norm and most people, like most people of most economic backgrounds that I knew had some kind of thing you could play games on in your house. Yeah, you know something. I mean? Yeah, they yeah. Had something. If it was Game Boy, whatever. Um, and so everyone just had some experience of games in their life and they were for everybody. Like Mario was for everyone. Donkey yeah. Kong was for everyone. I played all these games with my brothers and there was no like differentiation of how much we were enjoying them. They were like them. Lego. Like right? Lego. Like yeah. precisely like Lego. And then I think in the noughties a sort of a confluence of things happened both in the culture and in games, um, which is that, I mean, <laughs> ding, 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 we're talking about millennials in the noughties and I'm about to bring up 9-11. <laughs> Take a shot. Yeah. Um, I think actually this entire podcast might just be an investigation of how 9-11 changed our cultural lives. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so the culture, 9-11 happens, the internet happens and also games graphic cards just get better and better and the and the the every year the industry is learning more about itself and improving itself and it's like an exponential growth moment so um games are looking more realistic than ever everyone has the internet so everyone becomes obsessed with sort of shocking themselves mm. looking on rotten.com I was about to say hell like, Mary, mother of god rotten.com, <laughs> rotten.com. Yeah, yeah. and like finding the goriest worst sort of blue waffle lemon party waiting like, for them to load on the screen gathered around line with by people line and just holding the chair victims. and waiting to see something that would make you feel anything like, and you're 12 oh, <laughs> and then also 9-11 happens and then what What the knock-on effect of that is the sort of hyper-militarization of the culture right, right? Yeah. this thing of like boys who are not much older than the boys playing consoles in their bedrooms are going off to war and they're dying and mm. I, I also credit this with the um, the naughty sort of obsession with with gore horror like saw like hostile young people being tortured it's like everyone needed to confront what that might be like because everyone was like oh yeah my brother or me could it's could thrumming away in the background it's thrumming away it's a little heartbeat yeah. under the floorboard and so then we get in 2003 like we get call of duty 
And then nothing is ever the same again. And nothing is ever the same again. And what happens is every video game shop you go into, it's just, it's a wall of Call of Duty and the games that come after Call of Duty. Yeah, I know. Halo, all this stuff. It's And it's not, it's not only is it like not for a female sensibility, it is actively invested in keeping women out. So it, so it itself feels more masculine because of their exclusion. To this day, every so often on TikTok, a uh, esports professional who happens to be a woman will mm-hmm. pop up on my timeline and will play the audio of things that men, grown men, will say to her on pure recognition of her being a woman online. Mm. Still, 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 and I, I, and it's it's generally it's 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 um. It's those first-person shooter games. Mm-hmm. I can't play first-person shooters because I get terrible car sickness, which is a lovely <laughs> excuse. Um, but also, um, I don't. The aesthetic feel of them makes me unsettled. The sound of gunfire, the sound of rustling body movement through these uh, locations. Mm. There's something about it that it makes me maybe. I I just don't think playing war is for me. And I think that there's a lot of people who are driven from video games as a medium because their immediate association with the video game is gun. And I think Mm. that when I think about games and guns, I think about (laughs) Space Invaders. So the easiest thing when you're building an early object like a video game, right? If you want to see a reaction on screen by pressing a button... If you want to say input, output, Mm. input is the button press, output is the action on screen, right? What is a more simple, straightforward example of that than a bullet from a gun? Mm. The medium Mm. is intrinsically tied to that bullet. Button reaction. Button reaction. You know, for so many games, and Nintendo are really good for this, it's the design of the game comes long before the story the story starts hanging around the mechanic you know Mario's name before his name was Mario was Jumpman because what does he do? He jumps! He jumps and that is a great feeling that's my favourite feeling in video games is the feeling of the jump what is it that we simply cannot do out here? Lift right. into the air and land safely. What a feeling, oh. right? What a feeling. What a feeling. You know? <laughs> but also, I would imagine for a lot of people, that feeling is yeah. also gone, right? But, right. <laughs> but like, something you said to me, and, and, and sorry to, to crib you from you, but uh, to you, Mm-mm. is this thing of like, the first thing we do when a game loads is press X to jump. You just you two testing out the controller. Jump to jump. How does the jump feel? How, How does the jump, jump feel? feel? And the jump feels different across the across the games, man. Rayman has a different jump to Mario. Has a jump to different jump to Donkey Kong. Has a different jump to May from Night in the Woods. There's a different jump for everybody. Yeah. And Princess Peach's floating jump. Oh, and her little brolly that carries her yeah. longer, and that lovely Game Boy game about her feelings. Like there's so <laughs> many different ways to experience that freedom. But gun is another feeling, and it's a. I, I don't I don't know what the good part of that feeling is, mm. but I understand it and I recognize that it's a again a power fantasy. Yes. Right? It's a I know why people are drawn to it. It's a cultural drawing, it's a sensation drawing. Also, these games are multiplayer and very early on would have had headsets and microphones and ways to talk to each other and ways yeah. to play together. But I don't think that the playing together is um kind or warm (laughs) I think it's still pretty cruel and pretty dark and um, oh I don't know I can see why it doesn't make gaming feel like a welcoming space to people who might not be interested in in that yeah and I think that's what happened to a lot of girls and women right Mm. it's like like let's say you're um let's say you're 15 in 2003 right when Call of Duty comes out I think the options are either get with the program 
start moving towards other games that are made for you that you may find either you know interesting like Harvest Moon or or um, Animal Crossing or any of the Nintendogs thing or whatever or you'll feel patronized by that and you simply age out and never go back to games again mm. and then games become a thing that men get to keep with them their whole life they, they and get men to in, play men in general get to keep play their whole life and that's upsetting to me yeah. like you know I know lots of men in their 30s who have a weekly football game yeah five aside five aside or unlike you know how how Gavin kept up with his friends during Covid was and he doesn't even like games that much is he played Call of Duty with his friends online you mm. know and like they just encouraged to play their whole lives in a way that we're encouraged to nurture our whole lives, you know, or consume, or consume, you, and to crib yeah. you back to you. A conversation <laughs> that we had early, about God, must be a couple of weeks ago now, um, was that the place where women are women are sent to spend their recreational time always leads back to commerce. Yeah, our self care ties back to commerce. Buying things to put on our face, buying things to mm. put in our hair, buying things to put on our body—that is our relaxation and our rest. Play yeah. is shopping, and I were like, I know that that's kind of reductionist. I'm aware that I'm operating at a really simple binary here, and things are never as simple as just that. Yeah. But I do think that is the world is set up to take women's spare time and funnel it, turn it into money, into money, yeah. as opposed to play, which ultimately. I mean, video Which games aren't you, free, you, but play okay. is free. Play you know? is free, but you spend you spend you spend sixty pounds on the new Zelda game, and you play it for five years. You play it for five. That's five actually years. a very little return on investment, considering how much time you're consuming. It. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild <laughs> came out in two thousand and seventeen, and twice a year, I get a kind of a little crack in my back, and I go, "Oh, it's time. Oh, it's time. It's I'm time being called back to Hyrule to crawl up out of the tomb like, and go do some stuff with my." Sailcloth, you when know. When did like, Skyrim come out? Like twelve years ago, and it's still moving. It's still growing. People are still going in for yeah. the first time. I would imagine Elden Ring will have people returning to it for many, many years to come. They're not. There are games that you sit down, and you whip through in an afternoon. I'm a big proponent of the short game, as mm-hmm. you know. I love a six-hour jaunt. You know, I love oh, something yeah. I can hit in an evening, top to something bottom. Something you can just consume over one weekend and be moved by. <sighs> yes, and then just kind of move on from. But it's, it's still there in your locker. You exactly. Know? But then there's other games, arguably like Pokemon, like Zelda, mm-hmm. big and like Animal Crossing which was a life raft for so many people during that first year, during 2020, um, that you just get to live in. You just go Mm. back there. They're they're a third or fourth or fifth place where you go to just be somebody else. Think A home inside your home. A home inside your home. And The Sims is the very same thing. It's a home inside your home. People play for years and years that Mm. one object because the act of play is free. Sometimes one character. Yeah, one family, one swimming pool. (laughs) One swimming pool, no ladder. Um, But like that's a, like I still will open games that I've, like there, we still have um, all of our old consoles and we collect consoles in our house, myself and my husband. And um, we'll open my old N64, dust it off, blow into a cartridge. And just for the look of, on the screen, I know yeah. that you can I, you can play all the old N64 games on the Switch, which is a, a gift, frankly. But there is something about that feeling and that crunch of something that you played as a child, but still has the depth and worth that it always had mm. you know and yeah. um, I don't know that there's there is a feeling of like I keep saying of leaving the world as opposed to being constantly reminded that you're in the world in a body in a, 
a set of responsibilities, which I think, I don't know, I think I, I think people who aren't men could probably do with a bit more of. Yeah. A bit of freedom. A bit of free, And that's it. It's like, um, it's interesting that when we talk about girl games, um, so much of, yeah, resource management and, and nurturing of things. And mm. it sort of, it makes me a little uncomfortable because, you know, it's the two things can be true at once, which is mm. that, um, you know, women can feel great joy within these games, but that also that these games compound every negative stereotype about women, oh, which boy. is that we enjoy nurturing, we enjoy collecting, all this kind of stuff. And then it, it's sort of like wrestling with that a little bit. It's like, mm-hmm. do we enjoy the game because it's what we've been given and what we've been told is for us? Or is the game responding to something in us that wants to do these things? I will counter that with, do we enjoy putting on makeup because it makes us feel good and alive? Or do we enjoy makeup because it feels good and alive because we get told we look beautiful Mm. in a very particular set of standards? All, it's it's that male, it's that Atwood male fantasies thing, right? That you are looking at yourself through the eyes of a man. Everything that we do is, is cornered in by the patriarchy, including play including games yeah. there are plenty of, of of men who love strategy valley plenty of them you know yeah. these plenty games of animal crossing oh my goodness plenty yeah. uh, but i and i also would argue and and it is something that i i i know again we're dealing in very hard binaries here but like lots of women play call of duty loads of women mm. play fortnite you know like that is this is a non-exclusive conversation uh, absolutely that there is always going to be more to it than we're discussing yes but there is a lineage of games in the medium that are have drawn historically more women players mm-hmm. than anything else and certainly they do have elements of like moving around the furniture <laughs> <laughs> Going to the but, shop, but you almost, know. Yeah, Sims is almost a brilliant litmus test of that because it was a game that was built by a man who had a very male game with Sim City, right? That like I loved Sim City. I love Sim City. Oh as well. man, I can see those little pixelated explosions and when things will go wrong. Oh, like Sim, so it's such good. a just crunchy put, game, putting down plazas and gardens every which way. Um, but you know that was a game um, for for everybody. I don't think it really had a gendered thing in mind. But then the and I think everybody played it certainly. Me and my brother played it together, sort of taking turns at the big old PC or whatever. But at a certain point, he left and I stayed, yeah. you know, and, and and then me and my friends would sort of like hoard our pocket money or confirmation money or whatever for the expansion packs. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, one friend had the first dates, one friend had the animals or whatever. And we would like go around on a, like a Sunday afternoon and just fucking sit there on like a hard dining chair oh, on I the family PC. I... And one of you is kind of sitting on a radiator and burning your arse a bit. It's so funny with the people who come and who, who don't stay. Yeah. Um, my first experience with the video games console was my childhood best friend, Steph, who got a Super Nintendo for her Holy Communion. I remember I remember going to game with her and her mum to get this. <laughs> I just, I just and, zoomed out. I was like, this is such two Irish people on a podcast. I know. On Grafton Street, folks. Um, Communion money and confirmation money. I know. And she got a Super Nintendo in a box with a game called Yoshi's Island, um, which uh, is about Mario's horse. <laughs> Yoshi. <laughs> Um, he is Mario's horse and, and baby Mario who rides around on pastel Yoshi's back through this beautiful mm. uh, bucolic pastel island um, to be reunited with his twin brother baby Luigi um, and it came in this gorgeous pastel box and it looked like a toy and it was stunning and I liked it more than Steph did mm. um, and it took and now 
Irish Irish children make their Holy Communion in May. Um, <laughs> and it was until the Christmas that um, our Lord and Saviour Santa Claus uh, came and got me a Super Nintendo. And I, I played it for... We're all just waiting around religious festivities. Like, because... You, you got the SNES and you kept it for 10 years, you know? Yeah, like, it was yeah. a huge, huge deal. And I, I got mine with Super Mario All-Stars, which was five games in one. Um, but no, Yoshi's Island. Um, so when Steph... Steph and I would play Mortal Kombat, The Lemmings, um, uh, Yoshi's Island, whatever, uh, all the time until eventually tides change, things become different, you know, your interests diverge. Uh, you're still friends, but... Uh, one of you is obsessed with video games and the other one isn't. Yeah. Um, Donkey Kong Country 3 and 2 were the other two games we used to play, which is when I'm hungover or sad, I will still open up Donkey Kong Country 2 and play it like a musical instrument to soothe myself. I know it inside and out. It's like you playing Wonderwall sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I'm I, just know like, this, <laughs> and I know this and it brings me somewhere. Anyone want to see a cool trick? <laughs> to see how fast I can get through this? Um, Yoshi's Island looks like a girl's game. Mm-hmm. It's full of flowers. It's full of tiny pink dinosaurs. It's full of babies. I tried to play it again recently, thinking that I could open up and I would have muscle memory and feel like, ah, yes, I beat this as a six-year-old. I would like you to think about a six, like, what is a six-year-old? A plant. A sentient plant, you know? (laughs) A sentient plant! Like, when you're six, you're just... Yeah. I, it is impossible. It's so hard. It's so hard, Caroline. It's a really difficult game. That is... It requires patience, repetition. It is not fair to the player. It is a pain... And I am staggered by the patience and smarts that we had as kids, the two of us, two six-year-old girls, Mm. and this extremely unforgiving platformer that is very cute, but very... I challenge any of you to pick that up and not feel like the world is against you. It is not a friendly game. And when you get hit by an enemy, Baby Mario pops off your back, goes into a bubble, and then starts crying. It is a base. So when you and you have to get it back, him back before he gets kidnapped. Um, so when you are in peril, the sound that you hear is a screaming baby. It is a very difficult game. And when we were six, we worshipped at it like it was an altar. Like we loved it. Wow. It, and we beat it. And we beat it. And you beat it. That is, I think that's, a, that's something what, when people come back to old games a lot, they're amazed by how difficult they are. And oh, they're boy. like, how on earth? It's like, because you had nothing else on. Oh, you had endless hours. You had and nothing else. It was you, you and the TV. Oh. In, in like probably an upstairs bedroom with like a, a shitty old TV. Yeah. And a closed pal. door and yeah. nobody to talk to you and only focus. But it's still hard. It's You can look up a guide that will tell you where to jump, but this is not an easy game. So like... The appearances can be deceiving, you know, the, with girls' games and things yeah. like that, you know, and like the games that brought me into into and, and like we've we've discussed before that Pokemon is a girls' game, right? It's a girls' game. And it's also a gays' game. Yeah, big time. Because and it's it's so interesting for the people, the adults you meet that still play Pokemon. They're me and my brother, and they're also <laughs> and and the overwhelming. It's a lot of queer people. Yeah, overwhelmingly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's and, lovely. And I think about that a lot because like. What happens in the first five minutes of every single Pokemon game? You leave home. And I find that really beautiful. Yeah. You leave a, you're raised exclusively by a loving mother. Yeah. Never a father figure as canon. And you're you're asked to you, you leave home, you go to cities and you make friends and you have a little found family, which are yeah. your your core six team, you know? Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. You know? That's and 
God, that's a really, really powerful way of looking at it. That leaving home fantasy and that freedom. Yeah. I keep going back to freedom because that's freedom. The, the ultimate power fantasy of so many people. is. And maybe that's a more useful rubric for understanding this. Not what's a girl game, what's a boy game, but what does your version of freedom look like? Is it subjugation or is it limitless wandering yeah. and no danger? That, yes, oh, well, not no danger, but like danger you can manage. Yeah. Danger that you can triumph against. You know, peril, but not. And that the game wants you to triumph against. The world is rooting for you. The world is rooting for you. Totally. And like, I think about, you know, you po- Pokemon, I'm crossing all those, Harvest Moon. Um, it, yes, it's about resource management and keeping your bits in order. Yeah. <laughs> Which is soothing and nice. Um, but it's also just about like, this is your bit. This is your bit now and you can do anything you want with your bit. You can have your turnips over there. Or you can have bees. Yeah, <laughs> bees are where the money's at. Bees are where the money's at. And bees pigs, and mayonnaise. Truffles. Yeah, mayonnaise. A lot of money in mayonnaise. <laughs> a lot of money in mayonnaise. Um, more, more money in truffles and truffle oil. But um, but most of it's being about let alone to do what you want. And I think that's such a big thing for of the female fantasy because we like it's such it's almost like boringly depressing to point out we're still not able to like explore the worlds with perfect. Freedom. I feel this all the time. Any approach. Any I live event. it. I live at the foot of a, a mountain, which sounds more romantic than it is. I live in a suburb, but I do live at the foot of a mountain. And even with my uh, my dog, my my Pokemon <laughs> with me, um, I am not safe in those woods. Yeah. In Hyrule, I can go anywhere. I can and climb. You got your sword and shield. Yeah. 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 And pretty fast set of feet with a decent enough stamina bar. I can run <laughs> if I'm stuck. Um, you can't run here. I wrote an essay about this for the Sting and Fly um, last year about hiking. Um, and the reason that I am an outdoor adult is because I was an indoor kid. And the thing that made me curious about the natural world and the thing that made me want to hike and walk long distances, which I do, was playing Zelda. And that sense of limitless and that sense of the pasture and the forest and being curious in the world. But unfortunately, I require a male escort. There's a game called Ico where you, it's an old PS2 game from a series um, which includes another game called Shadow of the Colossus, which is beautiful, um, where your job is to escort a princess, (laughs) more or less, through a um, a series of dangerous places and rescue her by leading her. And there is nothing more crushing than the realisation that you do require a a consort to to get through the world when all you want to do is roam. It's, yeah, I remember feeling that so deeply because, as I mentioned, during COVID was when I sort of had my big games renaissance. Mm. Like I did Breath of the Wild and, and then started Skyrim and did lots of the indie games that we'll talk about later mm-hmm. that are so delightful. And I will, will get anybody back into gaming if they've had a long rest. Um, but around that time, there was um, a, a very famous murder of of a young woman called Sarah Everard and... Um, you know, it was a, it was a very much a London thing, and she was our demographic, and she was murdered by a policeman. And I felt so angry for weeks. It's so in- it's interesting because the podcast we were doing sentimental in the city at the time, and there's there's a podcast around then when we're bursting to tears a lot. Yeah. And both me and Dolly have talked a lot about that, and being like, we weren't crying about the show. No. Just we were crying about that as well. And you wrote a column for the Examiner about freedom around that time which I spoke to my mother about about oh, yeah. doing yoga 
in the park. What would I do if women didn't get murdered? <laughs> I would, would do I yoga do? at night. Yeah. I would do, do yoga, yoga at night. night and yeah. I would talk to weirdos on the bus. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be afraid that they would get off the bus at my stop and follow me home. I would have sympathy for everyone I met because women don't get murdered. Like more I, compassion, more love. Yeah. And yeah. that's what you do in these games. You yes. go anywhere and you talk, talk to, to anyone. You could help anyone because they are not going to kill you. Yeah. If someone asks you for a weird gold insect, you say, sure, honey. I'll fucking start I'll that out for you. It. No problem. I will pass an enormous forest at night and find it for you and bring it back for a small reward. For 20 rupees and I'll go over all my eyes and go only 20 rupees but it was it was a hell of a time the hell of a time (laughs) it was a hell of a time yeah and and that's that's the 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 sad part of the fantasy is that it is one and it remains one because that is how the world is and um, it's the same we've had a few of those um, a few of those we've had um, a string of those kind of murders women in public um, by uh, men um, in the last year or so there was one um, where the woman was just out running at like four o'clock in the day in the middle of the day yeah. and you get reminded all the time and I find it in the winter especially how limited your freedom is how limited your access to public spaces yeah I can when the, see when f- that sun goes down at 3.45 or whatever you're done you're done and go I can, back inside girly like. and I can see the forest and I would love to walk around it with my dog yeah. I'm not afraid of anything in that forest other than men oh God. you know so if I had a sword and a shield I'd be okay yeah <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> but yeah. um, but I don't so when I so I go instead to these digital forests and these digital places because I have more power and therefore more freedom God, I hate that it's that sad <laughs> and it's that simple and that's simple yeah you know and I know it's not the same for everybody I know this is not the same the concern of every it's, other it's woman it's only part of a huge fantasy you know? yeah it is and everybody is drawn for different reasons um, but for me it's a sense of transportation yeah. and I can go here and I am under no threat and if I am afraid when I hear that especially in Breath of the Wild when yeah. you, you realise that one of the ancient guardians can see you um, <laughs> I can just peace I can just leave. Please. I can just leave. Yeah. And that's uh, a fancy in itself too. You know? <laughs> just leaving. God, that's... We're getting heavy here. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. uh, one thing you and I were both loved and were very interested in was the fact that the runaway sort of summer blockbuster book oh. was a book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which we both adored and I would recommend to anybody listening to this podcast. Um, But it was this interesting thing it's kind of why I've timed this podcast for now really is that um, it was this kind of clash that was like oh yeah like hundreds of thousands of women are are, and mostly it is mostly women Mm -hmm. like it it just as as a basic rule the people who are reading novels are women yeah (laughs) like that is especially novels by women especially novels by women overwhelmingly yeah that's yeah I remember when I was putting out my first book I said to my team "Um, how will we get to male readers and they just went (laughs) oh Sweet summer child. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, hundreds of thousands of women were, were willing to and, and, and adored reading 350 pages about mostly about games development and the people who make those games and their relationships. And you could argue that like you know, people just like reading about creativity. People like reading about friendships. People like reading about um, love. love and unconventional relationships. Yeah. But they loved reading about games. They really did. And it sort of was the sort of clash being lifted of being like, oh, there's lots of us. Did you put your, like, you know, there's yeah. there's a, you played The Sims, you were there. How was your Harvest Moon experience? Like yeah. that, And then yeah. you realise that there's more of us here 
there's there's always been more of us here. We just didn't say it. Yeah. Or we were told to shut up by teenage boys or, or brothers and, and told like, the games that we liked weren't real yeah weren't, weren't real games or were bad games you're into or you are simply doing this for male attention oh, you are doing this to yeah. perform and that's what I think I said it earlier about not being like other girls and that perpetual accusation of you only play video games because you want boys to like you yeah and there is a time in many teenage girls lives that there certainly was where that is the only shred of power that you have yeah. You know, is that your interests happen to align with something that men like and therefore you might get temporary grace as a girl with no taste from the yeah. patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, but turns out lots of girls kept playing. Lots of them. And the times that we spent playing, even if we didn't keep playing, mattered to us. And I think you're right that Gabrielle Zevin's book pulled back something. Yeah. And then what you see under that cloth is girls holding controllers. Yeah. You know, even ones that they had forgotten that they had been holding as children or teenagers, you know. Yeah. And the game, or not the game, <laughs> the book has these lovely, lovely moments of discussion because it's set in the 90s about important video games. It's a very particularly funny passage about Metal Gear Solid that I really I love loved. that thing. I yes. loved it. But there's also games within the novel, right? Mm-hmm. There's a game which I felt was a bit like Ico, which I mentioned earlier. There is a Maple World, which is sort of a Stardew Valley MMORPG, which also, wow, would be great. God, I'd lose three years, something like that myself. You know, there are games in the story that feel fully realised and like places you would want to go and like not like existing properties, but in conversation mm. with existing properties in the way. It's a book about art. It's a book that is looking at a really important moment of history and culture and treating video games as what they are, which is more than a toy, but also a text and a place that those two things live. It's a book that respects video games as well as loves them. Mm. So, uh, And there's a, there's a line yeah. in that book early on that's where um, the, the sort of the game developer Sadie says is quoted in an interview and then is requoted many times throughout her life of saying that play is better than sex. Yes, yeah. yes, that it's almost more intimate than yeah. sex. And I I agree. I really really do because you're so vulnerable when you yeah. are and I think that that's a little bit why tabletop is having its moment at the, at, at this time and is a real serious place where communities are forged is because you can go there and be vulnerable. Because when you're playing you're not working <laughs> you know yeah, yeah you're not you're not the other thing you have to be vulnerable and um I don't know I I'm really glad that that book resonated with so many other people because I get to talk to women about it because yeah. getting to talk to women about video games like is this, amazing it's like this crowbar that opens up on women and gaming and talking about because like there's something that um a friend of the pod Joff Owen said during the Twee episode um, that I think about a lot and he said it about music and he said when um, when guys come up to me after shows they really want to get under the hood and they want to mm. talk about guitar pedals and tuning and that kind of stuff and, he's like, and, and women want to talk about lyrics and, and, I, I, and obviously he wasn't trying to be binary either but this is just overwhelmingly his experience but I think about this a lot with all kinds of sort of hobby making really it's like when you when when men talk to each other about games, again, not trying to be binary, but it's a lot about like what level did you clear, what boss did you be, what what thing did you get, kind of thing. And I think that's fine, but I I think women don't have the lexicon for talking about games in the way that interests us. It's just like, how did you feel? How did you Who feel? did you talk to? Yeah. Which which little jar of 
flies did you collect? <laughs> did you see this room? Yeah. Did you, you know, see the room? Did you see the carpets in the room? Did you talk to the guy? Did you talk to the guy under the tree? What did he say to you? Isn't it great you when know? you're walking on the carpet how you can sort of feel it even oh. though you're not walking on with your feet but you can feel it? Texture rather than specs and yeah. uh, specs and inside baseball which is how does this game relate to the previous iterations of this game? Mm-hmm. Gaming as a a set of facts, statistics and modern cultural history rather than a set of feelings that you can experience in the moment. And... um I also am obviously interested in the history of gaming because yeah. it's so fresh. It's 50 years old, give or take. It's something I, my little, a drum that I beat all the time is the distance between the first moving picture and Citizen Kane is 50 years. And the difference between now and Pong is about 50 years. Wow. Right? So what we should be experiencing in the last decade or so is the Citizen Kane of video games, which is the worst thing to say out loud. <laughs> I'm so sorry for saying this, but that's where we should be. Yeah. That is where we should be right now. The medium has found itself, mm. right? We are entering a time where it, it's not just input-output. Mm. It's not just, you know, two yeah, services flicking on a it's screen. It's profound emotional artistic responses to profound emotional and artistic pieces of work. And the people who grew up playing them are making them, yes, right? Yes, So we're entering a postmodernism. We're mm. entering a state of, of, of reference as well, which is great fun. It's so rewarding. Um, but... That means that the standard is 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 really really different, and uh, the the games that we get to play now do feel like art sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the act of play is so pure that it feels like art, or sometimes it just feels like exploring somebody else's emotions. There's much more options. There's much more mm. different ways to go. But the medium is really up on its legs. We're we're in a really amazing age, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we are. It's it's an exciting time to be alive. It's like it's not an exciting time to be a movie fan. No, like, it sure is. Sorry, not. it's not. Like, I, hope you like green screens. Hope you like green screen. Like, obviously, you know, we're in a great movie phase right now because it's Oscar season in a couple of months, and all the they've saved all the good ones. So Come on, all, Ireland! Come on, Ireland! <laughs> fucking banshees! Um, but um, yeah, so we, we've got our spate of five or six good movies, and the rest of the year it would be fucking shit. Yeah, um, and so that art form. I think it's, it's sort of dying but there are other art forms that are growing and video games is one of them because self-publishing is easier than ever mm. and there are more people making more kinds of games than ever um, but I just to slightly alter I, I was talking to uh, Gab last night about he was asking if, if Roller Coaster Tycoon is a girl game and I was like oh yeah absolutely theme park and yeah. all kinds of like um Theme hospital was I wasn't Roller Coaster Tycoon, but I was very much Theme Hospital, but like the building mm. of businesses, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and he said, you know, there was there's an absolutely straight line between people who played Roller Coaster Tycoon as a kid and people who became graphic designers later in life. I get that really pleasing organization. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I started thinking about what was the straight line that led to me being a novelist. And I think if you can call chat rooms a video game, yes, they are. Oh then... boy, <laughs> yeah. That that is that it is was very real. A video game, and the object was to convince people in married chat rooms that I was a I a twelve year old was a married twenty year old, <laughs> and to convince them to have cyber sex with me. <laughs> oh man, those that those wild days, those strange mm-hmm. like blank screens filled with weird text yeah, where you yeah. could do and say anything, anything and you, you can, can make be other anyone. people do and say things. The great MMORPG. It's all just the other teenage girls, by the way. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> it's all just other teenage girls. I was thinking, I was telling Kathy the other night. I was like, um, yeah. Um, w- one time I went on this thing of like, 
<laughs> pretending to be this married 20 year old um, who lived on an army base oh cool, and cool, cool. had only army anal <laughs> oh that's a very specific that's a very specific line that's a specific quest for you to go on I just wanted to think of the most extreme things I could think of and like <laughs> and the idea that like I thought I was talking to like 40 year old married men I was probably talking to 12 year old boys <laughs> oh man they remember you somewhere in the somewhere in the somewhere in the strange nexus of their memory that like planted a terrible seed you yeah. know like and the, what and what else does a novelist want to do other exactly. than plant terrible plant seeds plant terrible you know? seeds I don't know, mine directly goes back to video games. Mine completely, my life as a novelist goes back to video games. It's Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. And mm-hmm. every time I go back to that, I feel different. And every time I go, back, I go back to it, I marvel that, again, as 11 years old, I was capable of dealing with how difficult it is. It's also a very sad, very weird game. And I think it's it's an exp- the Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time and The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask are a real pair of powerful texts in the, in the canon and that were from Ocarina of Time for many years was referred to as the best video game ever made mm. the greatest greatest video game of all time mm. but it's in that other place that I learned that I wanted and needed to make other places you know yeah. and that feeling of and it's also quite scary a place to yeah. go to be now you're always equipped and you're always you know you're, you you have the sword and the shield and the magic and the hookshot and all the bits and pieces you and need and crucially gaming was not traumatic I mean dying was not traumatic no you fall and you rise again yeah. right? you fall and you rise again and it's annoying at most but it wasn't distressing and um, that's that was my starting point and every so often I meet another Majora's Mask person Mm. And it's a very the girls that get it get it moment. Yeah, you know, yeah. I definitely think that like from my own what the, the straight line between me getting into YA and the last forty five seconds of Ocarina of Time. Oh, because there's a moment where so you've you've played as Link. You were first a Kokiri child, and then you find out that you're not a Kokiri child. You're actually no, just you're a human. Hiding, yeah. You go forward in time. You're a big, strong man with a little cute earring. With a little cute <laughs> earring, and um, you've and then you save the world from destruction, and you've seen the worst things. Yeah. And you know you've seen the marketplace in um, fire, full of the dead, full of zombies, and yeah. it's just, it's a setting, and it's it's awful. God, that change in Hyrule Castle Town when it goes from this vibrant medieval little like yeah, sesh full town, of, like chickens, such a sesh town. It's scorched. It's, gor- it's scorched. And when it's, you go and, back, and yeah. it's it's different to you know it's different to watching a movie or seeing a TV show because it's you and it's your town, and they wrecked your town in the time that you were asleep. And so you 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 fight uh, Ganon and you undo all this in thing. the Fallen Castle. But then you go back, and you're and then they they send you back in time. And there's this beautiful moment where like you all put the sword back in the stone. You do you do and 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 like all and all the village people and all your friends are dancing and they never knew what happened because you stopped it from happening. But then the last sort of frame is Link just sitting on a log and 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 looking fairly melancholy. And you're like, oh, he ha- everything he's seen, he has to just go back to being a child, yeah. knowing that he's not really a Kokiri. And Majora's Mask happens directly after. It's this, it's this psychic, sorrowful journey that he goes yeah. on after his adventure. Yeah. After he's just done this horrendous time travel situation where he has lived yeah. in an adult's body and saved the world. And his little companion, Navi the fairy, yeah. leaves him. Like she flies into the window, you know, yeah. she, leaves, she leaves and he's alone. So at the beginning of Majora's Mask, he's going through the forest on Epona 
by himself looking for his yeah. friend, who the only person who was with him consistently through the journey and who witnessed his time travel and his victory. The only part, and he never finds her. He ne- oh. She's gone. So like, yeah, huge, huge stuff. That's so just like what I'm interested in yeah. when I write YA, which is like the things we ask of children and then we mm. ask them to grow up. Mm. And like, it's I find it so fat. And like Zelda is just a uh, video game series. And I know you're the expert and I've only played a couple of games, but like, it's so interested in trauma. <laughs> it is. It's so interested in pain. It's so interested in pain because Link is a... a he is a swordsman, but he's I'm all, um, Link is a girl, but <laughs> is my opinion. But um, Link is a swords person and is also a healer. Yeah, Link moves from town to town to city to city and heals people along the way. If you ask Link to get you something, Link will get it for you. Link yeah. fixes small problems and big problems and calamities and missing chickens all the way across and. The use of music in Ocarina of Time is something that I feel like I hear artists and creators talk about a lot, um, that it's a healing thing. When you play music, you fix things. You can make mm. rain come. You can pause time for a moment. You can... Their, their healing is at the core of what Link does. And Majora's Mask does a really, really good job of looking at... like It's, it's really a game about death. Like, you wear the masks of three dead figures to, in order to inhabit their bodies as you move through this is like a gnarly game for real like when you yeah, talk about yeah. it out of context you're like that's Ooh. not chill at all but it is the song that you play when you in order to acquire the mask that is their spirit is the song of healing yeah. like so Link is a healer and that is a lot to ask of a child and to be a champion and a cleric and all of those other things you know mm. and um, those are the questions that you have to get to when you're writing for young people because those are those are the questions that they are asked by the world every day, you know. Yeah. Like they're it's the big and the small, it's the calamity and the chickens. That's so much part of <laughs> calamity and the chickens. Part of growing yeah. up is knowing how much you can take. Yeah. Yeah. And when you got to peace out. When you when you got to hit the bricks. <laughs> when you got to hit the bricks. <laughs> Gary Zabra, mm-hmm. man, you got to teleport out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary Zabra. Gary Zabra will only mean things to a very small number of people, but I love you all. Um, yeah, God, we got. <laughs> <laughs> people are going to be expecting oh they're going to talk about Nintendogs we what sure aren't <laughs> we sure are not what if Zelda was just about pain what if it was just about pain but another thing about and I think a lot of people um, play, play Breath of the Wild during the panda mm. and um, something that I found oddly soothing about it was um, it's a hundred years after the disaster it's after the war it's yeah. after the war and like the, there's very few villages left and there's lots of ruins but people are making a go of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I found that very soon they all maybe heavy handed as a metaphor no, but... but they all have a lot of hope in them I think yeah. and there is a limitlessness to uh, Breath of the Wild because it's a non-linear dungeon structure which is again a boring <laughs> inside baseball term but it's non-linear you don't have to do anything in any particular order yeah. you just go you can do what you can do you can handle what you can handle a lot of the progression is not actually to do with combat it's to do with puzzle solving I love a puzzle mm. and um, the ruins and the woods and the people you meet along the road like it's a resilient Hyrule is a resilient world because we've there have been so many Hyrule Zelda's nearly 30 mm. you know and there have been so many iterations of that space and I think what was so moving for a lot of people playing Breath of the Wild was this is a world that we saw on the Super Nintendo system in 
pixels and suddenly it feels completely real yeah. and also suddenly if you want to spend two and a half hours just collecting durian fruit in the tropical part of things or looking at the dragon coming up and out of the lake and oh, watching the lightning dragon. coming off its scales then you actually don't have to go to deal yeah. with Ganon at all to be honest actually, it's like, you can just mosey it's profoundly unrewarding to beat the game yeah it's sort of <laughs> there's like there's no after game you know there's the, the game is the after game so you, yeah. there's, there's kind of no pressure you know yeah, it, yeah. It, which is a and it's not really gated in a meaningful way so you can just keep walking until the end of the world anything that you can look at you can touch mm. which is again about freedom and during the pandemic when there was approximately none I can understand why people were drawn to this world because yeah. it was hopeful mm. you know and it was limitless what a combo what a combo. You know? um, something that came up a lot when I asked on Instagram about what kind of girl games they wanted to cover. Um, a lot of like... Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Those mo- like movie games and franchise mm. games, TV, the Mary Kate and Ashley games, enormous amount of fans. The Barbie games, the um, the sort of Harry Potter Hogwarts games, I think have gone viral in recent years. Woof, yeah, Woof. yeah. Um, like I, I find it really interesting that there was this period where if something was big enough to have a movie, it was big enough to have a game, and that does not exist anymore. There are copies of Shrek games knocking around, man. <laughs> like the one thing about the, the, the video games moving from a hard object into a digital object. I worked in a video game shop for um, three years, uh, maybe two years, um, a hundred years in my soul. <laughs> maybe I'm still I've never left. A part of me is still there, but it was at that. Uh, at a turning point was sort of the year of the Wii um, mm. uh, which that ages Wii. me I think it'd be age yourself by technology I'd like to go back to the Wii in a minute but mm. carry on but there the second hand section of the game shop was absolutely rammed with adaptation games that nobody yeah. ever wanted to play again because they were churned out as a piece of merchandise as yeah. opposed to a thing in itself but they are made by people and there is always going to be glimmers of goodness about them you know mm-hmm. and sometimes these games are also what you bring to them and what you make of them and uh, I think there's a whole pocket of those games around various celebs and toys for yeah. capital F capital G for girls that were really pleasurable and really really delightful you know for me a big thing was horse games horse games did you, did you horse game not a horse girl 
Not, not a horse. I mean, a photography girl. <laughs> the other one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, photography game. Photography Pokemon girl. Snap for the N64, big oh, one. And the new one is really good as well. I think the new one's really, yeah. really chill. Yeah, yeah. There were quite a few, because there was also like a real time where um, you could just get a demo of a game anywhere. Oh, free with a magazine. Free with a magazine. Yeah. There was like, yeah. A, there was like a, a wildlife photography game that I played a couple levels of. Um, the horse games is an interesting one because it, it, it spoke to an ache. <laughs> Not just a fantasy, the way Harvest Moon or um, speaks to a fantasy. No, I need, but an ache, like because mm. like if you were like, I, I think I'm going to do a total separate episode on horses. To be honest, because there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, but this thing of the only access you get to horses, maybe if you're lucky, is like this little window of time where your mom drives you to the riding stable down the road once a week or or once a month even or less. Um, and the rest of the time you need to fill in desperately that time both with horse experience before when you own your horse <laughs> this is really beautiful Caroline I feel like you're very vulnerable right now I'm like I'm your, love of, your love of horses is amazing to me and I completely understand it is a it's a bridge you know it's a horse game what Zelda Zelda's, Zelda's a, a horse, horse game, game you know but that is a because in real life they are large scary untamable expensive animals but who don't love you no, no, no. Dead, they, dead stare. I find them very frightening. I'm, oh, I'm very sure scared do, of them. Yeah. I mean, people are going to write in being like, my horse loves me. I don't think he does. <laughs> Your horse is not Charlotte Polo doesn't love you. <laughs> <laughs> He's just hungry, you know. Um, but for real, I think that it doesn't demystify them, but it, it, yeah, I can, I feel that thing, that, that ache of the unknown and the yeah. great untamable beast that suddenly then lives in your screen and you can engage in a fantasy with them. You can engage in an intimacy with them that otherwise is And it was, just, I, I also sort of like buy horse magazines because I was so convinced that one day there will be a reality in which I own a horse and I will need to know everything. And and like, so scraping out my horse's hoof on like, like a riding star or whatever or Barbie horse games was like, I, I'll need to do this every day. So I better do it every day here. It's the life you build for yourself. The life you build you is the, the fantasy life. Oh my god, you that's know? gorgeous! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. there was Passive, like man. There was, so. This is the first year of my life where I've had enough money to go to horse riding lessons. <laughs> Every so often on Instagram, you put up a video or like a clip from of you moving around on horseback, and I'm just like moving so around. happy for you. You're just jaunting along in a field. And I'm like, you look so free and happy. I, I, that's it. It your, is the- your back is upright. You know, <laughs> like you're just. It's like you've always been doing. Do you know what I mean? And and, and you have. I was in yeah, my yeah. I was in my youth, but then. Honestly, but also in your head and in, in your my, heart. And in my head. And you know? my, yeah, I feel about horses the way I feel about gaming. In that mm. I took a break, but I never quit. No, your heart doesn't quit. <laughs> the your heart, heart never quit. quits. No the heart way. goes last. No, and what an amazing thing to be a grown up who can pursue like the, like I you know when we were, when we were doing like the the bummer section earlier where there's no freedom. <laughs> um, there is also uh, a lot to be said for. The pockets where and you can go and do the fun thing. If I wanted, I could go take archery lessons. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that my grown-up person self yeah. could do. That is, there's nothing stopping me doing. Take a couple of buses in my yeah. shoulders. Yeah. Um, but I could go learn how to hold a sword. I could do that if I wanted. Like yeah. you know, if that was the call for me, I could. There would be nothing on earth stopping me doing it. And that is the nice thing about turning into an adult. I think yeah. and leaving behind certain things from from youth and childhood is that you have access, you know? Yes, to play is, play is waiting for you. Yeah, to play. You can yeah. actually go and play, because horse can. riding is play. It is, you know? it very much is play. There was even, there was a very sly humour to The Sims as well. Oh, yeah. It was sort of like, 
it knew how bizarre it was. Mm, you know, mm, a wink and a nudge. A wink and a nudge. Like uh, obviously, the the thing everyone remembers is, is the like the whoopee bed where you could just make them fuck. <laughs> Again, everyone's standing around the lap going, are we going to make him do it? Are we going to make him do it? Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Okay, and we're going to do it, you know? The the sort of like the hidden poetry of it as well, because nobody I knew played the Sims without cheats. And cheats are their own thing. I they're think. their whole, their own language, you know, but their own... This, this actually circles back to what you said earlier on, which is um, the Citizen Kane of gaming. Mm. What What is the code for infinite money on the Sims? Rosebud. That's beautiful. And as, That's beautiful. As soon as you use Rosebud, <laughs> you can get anything you want and the game gets less fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing a hack of Stardew Valley at the moment yeah. and I have, because uh, I felt that I had been playing it for so long that I had earned um, a round of mods and um, it's turning me into a monster. Like, it's turning me into a bad person. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not playing by the rules. I am a mogul in that town. Uh, and it feels, cheating in games feels like transgressive it does feel transgressive even though they left those things in for you to discover they did and like glitching I, I I, you know my sort of my soothing evening watcher when I'm writing my background thrum is people doing speed runs of Zelda um, so explain to audience what a speed, a speed run, run is. is when a person plays a video game extremely fast on purpose for an audience uh, if that sounds boring, I assure you it is not. Um, the it's it's an esport of its of its mm. own, but it often requires corrupting and breaking a game in order to do it. So when I watch people play Zelda and try to beat the Legend of Zelda: The Ocarina of Time in fifteen minutes or whatever, I'm watching somebody take a perfectly crafted world that I loved and grew up with and shatter it. Mm. What like mm. push themselves through walls you know, do things they shouldn't be able to do, go places they shouldn't be able to go. Yeah. And it feels, it feels like something that I haven't worked out yet and I hope to write about eventually because I don't know what that feeling is. It's like looking at a beloved childhood book through the other side of the page. It's something, mm. uh, again, transgressive. It feels subversive. It feels weird. But yeah. it's just a, a broken object. It's just looking at the Rubik's, it's just pulling yeah. the Rubik's Cube apart. It's just turning the Monopoly board upside down. It's not really that deep. But, it there's, feels deep. There's this meme that I think you and I are guilty of sharing multiple times to our mutual Instagrams, which is, um, you know, Sid from the Toy Story, the the the, kid, the, the horrible kid next door who <laughs> breaks all the toys and like nails them on to other toys. He was or an artist. Is something like. What's the exact quote? It's like, he was just making art. How was he supposed to know they were alive? They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. They yeah, shouldn't be. he was but just making art. There's something about the cheater and the modder in games that mm. is very sick from next door. It's like, you're making new art from the art. You're pulling this apart to build something new and corrupted and beautiful. Me and Carrie played a Legend of Zelda randomizer recently, which is exactly what it sounds like in that every chest you open has something in it that shouldn't be there. Yeah. So the first chest you open, which should be a sword, isn't. It's a bottle. Good luck. You know, or something different. It completely, it, it scrambles the progression of the game. So you yeah. get some things too early, some things too late and you have to navigate the world by a different set of rules. It feels un holy it feels dangerous because yeah. of the but it's really just a, a a broken toy you know but it's also a, a text at the same time yeah. and so, there's nothing quite like that no you it's know? a great it's a weird feeling it's a really hard to describe feeling um and uh I don't know. I, I I don't know if I'll do it that much. I feel like it's something that I don't. I I enjoy the straight narrative of game of games much more, um, than the corruption. But I think I had to dip my toe in. Uh, I can't believe that that code was rosebud. 
what what perfect circularity isn't you know? that great and that's that, unbelievable and the thing about sims as well that i always find very haunting is um i can never remember the name of the guy who made it will something um he came up with the idea for the game following a house fire where he lost all his possessions and how he, he got his insurance payout and he found it weirdly pleasurable replacing everything he owned and going through catalogues and whatever and he's like oh maybe i can distill that feeling into a game wow and he's like it's so interesting because the way Sims began is how all games of Sims end with a house fire. With a house fire. <laughs> That's all we want to do. Yeah. All we want to do is burn see a burn. Down. See a burn. Cause true chaos. Yeah. That's build, build the most beautiful house you can build with the most money that you have. Kill a bunch of people and then burn it down. Do whatever you. Ultimate freedom. Ultimate freedom. You know, like that's like Stardew Valley too. If you are, when once you've completed the game, gotten married and had a couple of children, your farm is rolling, you can simply visit the witch, divorce your spouse, visit the witch, erase their memory, turn your children into doves and start again. <laughs> you know, like there, and there's a corrupt, a corruption to that, you know, yeah. it's a, yeah, that's power too, man. That's real yeah. power. <laughs> there's something about those kind of free games that teaches you something about yourself. You're like, darkness lives in all of us. Oh yeah. What can you do out there? You yeah, know, whatever you want. Okay, yeah. Um, we're getting towards the end of the podcast now, but I would really like to talk about. I mean, there's lots of stuff that we didn't touch on. And yeah. I think mostly because they were they were suggested and they were requested, but you and I don't have experience of them. So I'm just gonna rattle through, mm-hmm. and you tell me if you have any thoughts, and we'll just go, and then we'll end on some recommendations for some new games that people might really love. Lightning round. Star dolls. Oh, the thing where you put the clothes on the pixel girls, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, loved it. Wild away hours. Very empty head. Like chicken fillet brain smooth. Not a single wrinkle. Just <laughs> putting the clothes, brain. putting the clothes on the doll. Delightful. Habbo Hotel. I haven't got a clue what it is, man. I remember it being because there, there were ads first in the back of Ms. Magazine, Habbo Hotel, and then it, I think it became really rife with pedos. Oh no, is it like Neopets? I think so, similar to Neopets. Anything on Neopets? Loved it. Accidentally um, traded, uh, put my Shoiru uh, up for, uh, which was painted like a crystal, up for adoption, and then never played it again. Mm. Um, Neopets is genius. It was lovely. I played it a lot as a child, uh, but I remember giving away my one little particular guy, and then not wanting to play it anymore. The heart, the heart went out of it for you. Yeah. Um, a deep cut, but mentioned by many people, the Sabrina the Teenage Witch video game. No. So I watched wow. it on YouTube, and I actually, I, I totally forgot. I did play this. I what was it on? It may have been, I think, PlayStation and PC. Yeah. Is it Mr. John Hart? Well, it's, so it's um, hand-drawn animations, most of it. Wow. But, but it has the voice actors. Okay. So, it, you, I mean, the, the animations are not great. But the whole thing, it's so small, but also gets to the heart of what girls and what children really, really loved about Sabrina, which was that house. Oh, the house. I can see. I can yeah. see. Yeah. Her it. bedroom. And the other realm. So the whole game was inside of her house and just like collecting spells the and like going to the spell book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something... Ve- Big like, dining room. The dining room would be shown very seldom. And the stairway up to her bedroom. Like I can see the... I can, I can see yeah. it. I lived in that house too. Yeah. I know. We all lived in that yeah, house yeah. in our heads. And, like, oh, it's so good. The, uh, oh. And um, yes, that, that entire game was just poking around the house, which is all you ever wanted to do on the TV show. It's point and click. Poke Perfect. It, po- Point and click, poke around the house, talk to your cat, go into the other realm. I mean, that's kind of a bit like that's. There's a lot of really beautiful indie games that function under that principle as well. You know, it's you know? a very, it's a really good method to play. You it's know? kind of like one of those proto indie games in a way. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Have we talked about Theme Hospital a bit? 
Yeah, we did. We did a graphic bit. designer. Graphic Fred. designer, totally. Yeah. Um, something about theme hospital that 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 really brought out the worst in me was um, you had to hire and fire everybody who worked at that hospital. More power. <laughs> More power, and like just like firing them for no reason, and like um. How, you know, I know we're of a generation where everyone thinks of themselves as kind of like um like a, like a real socialist, but like your capitalist notions come out so quickly when you're playing these games because you're like, this motherfucker's sick again. <laughs> Get out of my hospital. This, I never. This I ne- janitor not th- not clean up the vomit. Get out of here. I think the reason that I didn't play the hospital was because of all the vomit. It's yeah. There was a lot of horror, a lot, bit, a lot of casual horror in yeah, the hospital. Uh, yeah, it was a bit. And it, what, one of the illnesses you have was like a, having a big head. Yeah, that's I can really see that. In my brain. Yeah, my mind's eye. I feel like Theme Park did that to me as well. It was a bit gross at times yeah kind of gnarly and I'm not I'm not always down for gross gross sometimes gets a bit okay I'm out for me and especially Mm. when I was like a soft little delicate flower of a teenage girl I was like no don't don't look at that the worst thing you can be reminded of at that age is bodily functions yeah tell you what those games are all all crises that you can deal with in theme hospital and theme park are to do with people who need to use the bathroom or need to throw up real (laughs) quick and uh Nah, man, too soft. No, too can't soft. Do it. Yeah. One thing that came up a few times, and I remember them because when I worked in HMV, I remember there being a lot of them. Um, the Imagine games for the DS. Oh, so they're like career this? games, weren't they? Career yeah. games. Like imagine school teacher. Imagine yeah. manicurist. Imagine interior designer. Imagine wedding planner. They would come into the video game shop that I worked in and sit and gather dust, and no one ever bought them. Yes, same. Yeah, I yeah. always thought, who plays these? And apparently, according to my DMs, some people. Oh, I'm glad. I'm Good glad that somebody did because they would just sit there and kind of look at me, and I was I remember feeling and they always got really dirty. Yeah, because the boxes got oh very God. dirty and grim very quickly. Uh, the feeling of peeling. You you have this from working in records. So I'd say that like the feeling of peeling stickers off of those boxes and is just the like gluey bits and layering stickers and stickers on top of each other. It's a real, it's a real thing. But those that those games on Cooking Mama and there was a few other ones around. Sort of like they never quite hit the stride of Nintendogs would sit there and, and stare out from the shelves and yeah. make me feel ashamed. Uh, you know that they was like, look, they made games for girl for girls. That's it. And no one is playing them because they were. Mostly very bad games. I remember every so often during the year of the DS, which was also the year that I worked in that store, um, that you would get a, a mom and a daughter coming in to buy a DS with Nintendogs and they would ask if there was any other games you'd recommend. And I always said, and it doesn't matter what child came in to buy a DS, mm. I would always say Animal Crossing, always. And I had mm. a bit on Animal Crossing that I did. What was your bit? And I, because it's a game for everybody. Mm. It's a game that's non-violent was my big thing. I was just like, you don't have to hit anybody in it if you don't want to. <laughs> You know, you can't hit them with your net. But, you know, I would never yeah. say, I was like, you don't have to, it's a non-violent game. It's about building a home. It's about building a community. It's so much fun and it's really different, uh, was the gist of it. And uh, all of your neighbours are little animals and you get to build this town and, you know, like, the pretty simple cell. Yeah. And I remember once I was doing it and my manager, uh, this dude, um, uh, came out uh, while I was talking and went, Sarah, Jesus, not everyone is going to like Animal Crossing. Boy, was he wrong. <laughs> and I fully like had to stop the interaction to go burst into tears. You know when a man shouts at you? Oh, and no. I was so embarrassed. The mother who was standing there was like really shocked, but he was so cruel. And it was really humiliating. And then the year that anim- my first piece of writing about video games was about Animal Crossing. And it was for The Guardian. And I remember this little 19-year-old me that still lives inside me being like, everyone does like Everyone does. 
I you were I right. Hope you fucking post it to him. You were right. It is for you everyone. You were right. You were your feeling about it was right. You had the right instinct about it. You yeah. weren't wrong. And um, yeah, it won't take away that sound of his voice at that moment of humiliation, of which there were untold trying to work in that shop and I stayed there until I truly could not stay I stayed there out of spite at the end I was mm. like no you won't drive me out of here um, but I I'm so glad that Animal Crossing had its moment but I do think sometimes about those Imagine Games and Cooking Mama and the other mm. ones that didn't you know some, you can't you can't target you can't target that hard sometimes you That's fall in love with games by accident you yeah. know and I like I, I, I sort of like the like, I, I mean Obviously, they made enough money for them to keep making them and definitely some people played them. And I, the people who were messaging you about them felt very fondly about them. But they were like, oh, they, they blew. They were bad games. Well, that's the other thing about bad games because the, yeah. the games that are made in-house by these companies like Nintendo or whatever yeah. have a seal of quality about yeah, them. Yeah, they're well made. Yeah. You know they're well made because they have a long history. They originated the medium. They, you know, they... Yeah. Every bad game that comes out under Nintendo sort of scourges its own name and it's the the last thing it wants to do is create its own name and I tell you what the end of the Switch e-store is full of absolute garbage water at the moment as oh, well it's yeah. very hard to navigate in there and Nintendo don't bring out big games very often and that time and that quality shows I think you know and it's mm. the same with a lot of other AAA producers but indies have that time and that love as well Um there's a real big difference between the games that are made for a quick book and the games that are made with love in their heart I think like yeah. all things yeah. you know um I think that's it in terms of um, people are going to get so mad. Oh. <laughs> it's just like it's just whenever you have a big category like this, there's always going to be people who are just really annoyed that their special thing wasn't talked oh, about. Sorry, folks. Sorry, yeah. folks. Can't talk about everything. Um, but let's talk about the games people can get into now. Yes. That, oh. That's so... Are so, we going to talk about Greg Lavanov? Are we oh going to talk about Chicory God. and Wander Song? <laughs> Greg Lavanov. I love you, Greg Lavanov. Greg, we love you. <laughs> Greg Lavanov, the only person I have not, I have ever written fan mail to oh my is this, God. This, this Canadian guy. I think he's like a three or four years younger than us. I know. <laughs> he's made some of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Yeah, ever. Some of the most pleasurable games I've ever played. They're incredible. Um, so the first one is Wander Song. And it's what you would call a Zelda-like. So it's like, it's very on its sleeve about the fact that this is a person who grew up playing Zelda. A little bard. You're a bard. a little bard in a green tunic with a green hat, just like Link. And the entire mechanics of the game is singing. It's it's an explicitly non-violent game. It's about violence, I would say. It's about violence, but you, the character, are non-violent. It's about the choice to not be violent every time. And that sounds anodyne, but it isn't. Oh, it really isn't. You You sing your way out of every problem. You save the world with creativity and singing and togetherness. And every time you think you know where the story is going it goes somewhere so surprising yeah. it's so subversive and it's so funny it's so oh, the writing is so funny. good the writing is incredibly good and it's visually delightful yeah. you know all of the puzzles that you could solve using a sword you instead use your voice so if you need to jump over a cliff and you can't get there you don't cut down a tree you sing to a bird and the bird will lift you yeah. it's the the, uh, the mechanic isn't like capital E easy. it's easy it's it's intuitive yeah, and it's forgiving and it's forgiving it's not frustrating and the puzzles in it are challenging enough to you know to get your brain moving and to yeah. ask you to pay attention but the stories that it tells along this quest that you have as a bard you really think you know what way you're going 
And I will say that this is a real feat of storytelling as well. Like yeah. the, I was so moved by the ending. I wish I could play it again for the first time. I really, really do. It's Me such a do. banger. It's, God, such, it's, such, a it's banger. such a banger. It's so, and it's also, it's so about the, the sort of chosen one narrative yeah. thing. Who gets to save the world. Who gets to save the world. Yeah, and yeah. that's so a part of girl gaming. Yeah. Of like... Girls don't aren't often the chosen one, you know. And interestingly, in this story, the girl is the one with the sword. Yeah, which is a real nice turnaround. Real you nice know? turnaround. But then he followed up with this game called Chicory. And if you're an Animal Crossing head, and if you're a Pokemon head, I, you are a Chicory head. Yeah, you're ready. And if you are a person who's played video games and you've ever played a girl a, a, a girl game a, a game called earthbound mm-hmm. uh this game is in a very long quiet conversation with an old ne- the super nintendo game called earthbound and it has a real richness and depth i think the zelda game that it's most in the chats with is probably um uh links link to the past uh so it has these lovely elements of classic Nintendo games but it's also completely its own it's so unique and it's another game that is obsessed with the notion of who's chosen and who's Mm. the chosen one who gets Mm. to save the world seems to be a thing he comes back to a lot as a creator Um, but it's um, this idea that you live in a world um, full of colours and and in these in this colourful world it's like very like it looks like a colouring book in a this, blank colouring book. A blank colouring book. So so you're the janitor for this um this hair called Chicory and she's the wielder. And the wielder's job is to colour in the world and it is their sole responsibility and she is not up to it anymore and you have to take over. And you sort of learn you, you, you colour in this world and it's not based on skill. No. Like the game doesn't know whether you're colouring it in well or badly. Yeah. And it doesn't care. And it doesn't care. <laughs> it doesn't care. You just hold hold the A button on a tree and just and, and watch a landscape fill with blue. And you can go and scribble over it if you want. Yeah. And oh my God, it's so delightful. But it's not just a colouring game. No, it's, just, it's, it's an adventure just, game. It's an adventure, you yeah. know. And the puzzle solving in it does rely on colour, but it's not. It's it's innovative and surprising. Yeah. I really have never played anything like it before. No. It's also a game about well, it's about responsibility and who gets to be a hero. It's also a game about who about how making art feels. And there is definitely a moment that's happening in indie games where games about depression are a big mm-hmm. a big it's thing. It's a joke, yeah. It's a joke. But this is a game about how it feels to not be able to make art anymore. And again, yeah. where you think that that could be a like a, like a, a dreary, heavy topic, it is so hopeful and it's so bold and it manages it manages to explore very tricky um nuanced things about responsibility and art and heroism in a way that doesn't feel it feels entirely new. It yeah. feels entirely new to me. It's an incredible game. I love it. My, probably one of my favourite things I've ever played. Yeah, anything. same, same. So, and again, very funny. Very um, funny. Yeah. Witchwood is another one you and I both love. Oh, Witchwood goes. Witchwood spelt with a Y. Now, initially when I saw Witchwood, I was like, not so sure about this. Yeah. Witch with a Y. It, there, there's a Molgoth vibe mm, to it, right? Which, yeah, and I, I never know how Molgoth I am until I find myself too far down the annals of Molgoth. It's, mm-hmm. uh, there is a Molgoth that lives in my heart equally, um, but uh, who is the same person who worked in the video games for years. But Witchwood, you play... A witch who has to deal with a situation in her garden um, and is sent around the world to gather little bits and pieces to build effigies um, and solve problems. And you go from town to town um, reckoning with different, um, I guess, 
big social problems, big yeah. situations in the big town. Big situations, yeah. And healing and solving those problems with spells and effigy work. And the world that it's drawn in, I think to me, looks like an illustration by Mary Blair. And saying something looks like a Disney... When, when you say Disney, you get a very specific image in your head. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the Disney of Snow White. Yeah, and yeah it's a, a very fairy tale land with, with grim fairy tale. Not Snow White. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a very and, and there's a lot of lovely colours and a lot of delicacy to Beautiful it. Beautiful music. It's gorgeous music and just it's very calming, but the storytelling is really elevated. So you get a lot of that nice resource management vibe from it, but you and lovely Mary Blair illustrations and picture book feelings. Yeah. But the story is Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And it's long as well. It's a game that you could play for a week. You know, you could play it every night for a week and still kind of... um, It's got a really good heft to it, as Mm. does Wandersong and as does Chicory. They're good uh, games you can spend a good bit of time Mm, in. Definitely. And what's interesting, because we've we've talked a little bit about like how women, like girl gamers in general, I don't know, I don't want to... Obviously, I'm talking about a lot of people, um, but how the, the gun thing tends to be less... Uh, appealing to us maybe I don't want to go too hard on that however there are some girl games that are out right now that go heavy on the hacking and the slashing and the killing and the mm. murdering um, and the empath was still very much being girl games one of them is Boyfriend Dungeon oh yeah so good the, the fucking the concept behind Boyfriend Dungeon nuts unhinged unhinged you are staying you're subletting your 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 cousin's flat in like a San Francisco type town for the summer and in this world everyone is hot and is also a weapon yeah so like these very hot anime sort of type people but they're also they turn into like a dagger at night or a lightsaber so the dates that you go on with them you can also wield them as a literal sword so it's a dating sim and a dungeon crawler roguelike going around battering things in like malls and like schools and it's it's bizarre, but it's so good. What, and what's so brilliant about that is that, like, your 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 chemistry and your connections with people directly improves your performance in these dungeons. It's not like how many games do where, like, the character interactions are the secondary thing or treated like a secondary Look, I thing. I think all games should have a dating option. I think yeah, absolutely all games, all should, have games should have a dating option. No question. It's something I really firmly... You should be able to marry people in all video games or like just like mm-hmm. gently shag, shag around until you've unlocked yeah. all the possibilities for life in that world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is a great one that completely integrates that relationship building and dating element with combat. And it's so satisfying. The combat in it is brilliant. It's quite... I think it's a cousin of Hades in that way, which I also mm-hmm. think is a girl game. Yeah. Uh, I'm playing it at the moment and I'm trying... I started... My hand started going numb when I was playing it. I was like, oh, this is this is time to put this down. I'm very late to Hades because it was huge. And I was like, this is too big. I'm not looking at it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. a bunch of years after it came out, I was like, oh, this is actually fantastic. And it has that same dungeon crawling, yeah. Uh, yeah. roguelike, procedurally generated dungeons where it's different every time you go in. That feeling mm-hmm. is... Mm. Boyfriend Dungeon is half a dating sim and half a dungeon crawler. Cult of the Lamb is half a cult simulator, which is essentially a kind of an Animal Crossing, right? You yeah. have to look run a little town. You have to run a little town. You have to look after your disciples. You can sacrifice them. Make sure no one gets too rowdy, or they go in the stocks, or they go in the yeah, stocks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you know, you're you're trying to keep everybody happy or unhappy, depending on how you want to run your run your cult. I like to keep people happy. Um, but uh, and then by night you you 
go and kill your enemies. The the a counterpoint to that one in terms of structure and vibe is a game that I always put on people called Going Under, which is about yes. working in tech. Yes. Oh my God. If you hate your job, you will love Going Under. Yeah. Um, it's about you're an intern called Jackie who starts working at a soda uh, startup and your job as an intern is to go down into the basement to the other failed startups and acquire important relics from their end. Yes. One is called Joblin, which is, I guess it's like... um career service where there are lots of goblins uh, then there's a sticks coin which is the crypto one which is like the river sticks and everyone is a skeleton oh, and then there's wow. winky dink which is a dating one where everyone is like sexy devils so the people who work in the startup um, send you on missions and you go in and the dungeon changes every time it's a lot of hitting things with things a lot of gorgeous design and again mm. painfully funny so well written the dialogue is very human very well thought out very organic yeah and it is truly a game that I go back to again and again to relax it's a great great game see I I will admit I gave up on going under because I found it really hard it is hard it is a pain yeah, in the ass yeah. the difficulty curve is not always but then when you there's a point at which you kind of you you hit your stride yeah and you could like lots of roguelikes are, that, are like that mm. I did not Cult of the Lamb for the same reason. I got so fucked off that I was just like, ah, I can't do this. But it also doesn't ruin the experience of the game. My cult no. was perfect, but when I was in the woods trying to deal with the bishops, I was not having a good time after a certain point. So there's always going to be barriers. It's always going to be difficult, difficulty limits. But I would also posit that you don't have to finish a game to have a good time. No, you don't. I'm not here to win. I'm here to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really not here to win. I'm here to make friends and feel things. Yeah. You know? Oh, so, uh, so good. Those are, yeah, those are some pretty hot wrecks, I think. Those are some pretty good ones. A nice variation. Great. Yeah. And I also will say as well that, like, if you are somebody who maybe hasn't gamed in a while and you find that, especially in these winter months, mm. your evenings are just disappearing to your phone and sort of, like, kind of wa- kind of rewatching like, the new girl and mm-hmm. kind of being on your phone and you go in to bed. In the TikTok vortex. You go to bed feeling both wired and empty. You need one of these games. You like, do, yeah. The way you will just not be on your phone for several hours is kind of almost enough for me. I know that's pathetic, but it's a, I really, I really need something to jolt me out of playing social media like a video game. I mean, yes. social media is the ultimate video game, right? That's the ultimate girl game. Yeah, where Twitter, where you, um, yeah. you accrue a reward by approval or redistribution or engagement. It's all a video game of thought or a video game of performance. That is the true girl game. Yeah. God above. So yeah, it's a great place to go. It's the other screen. Mm. What about a screen that is not trying to sell you things? What about a screen that is encouraging yeah. you to... Because it already has your money and it's not trying to sell you anything else. Exactly. I mean, some games will try to sell you more are, stuff, but yeah, like yeah. not the ones we're Or fake money, you know? Know, like money yeah. that's fake in the game you know yeah. um, I, I do there's nothing for me like the feeling of playing a game for the first time and going oh I'm going to tell everyone yeah. about this if you are daunted about them in terms of entry level games or games that like to be an entry level game you have to be just about perfect I think mm. the goose game is an entry level game the story of the goose game oh is yes that it's a lovely day in the village and you are a horrible goose you are yeah you just play a goose you can do two things honk or pick things up and your goal is to just ruin the day of everyone around you it's so good delightful. part of a new genre perfect. of games that I've heard being described as being jerkwad games mm, just causing a little trouble yeah just being just a troublesome a little, little guy you're not the chosen one by any means you're just a troublesome little guy just a goose a goose full of full of chaos and that for me is a, I think that you could play that at four years old and I think you could play that at 90 years old mm. and it's also it's not like a 
beginner game. It's a perfect game and therefore can be played by anybody at all. I would also say A Short Hike is a brilliant game for everybody where you play a gal who's gone to stay with her aunt on the side of a mountain and um, you need to go get some self-service to call your mum. So you just walk up the side of the mountain. That sounds dull, I promise you. It's gorgeous. People love that game. It's six hours long. So if you're not Mm. like, if if you feel like staring down the barrel of a a 60-hour experience is a pain in the ass, this is a really great little gem. Sorry, we keep saying last one, but this is my true last one. <laughs> if like, yeah, if, if sort of the mechanics and the stress of games isn't for you, um, but you kind of almost want to play a movie, mm. there's like visual novel games, like the best of which I think is What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, what a game. Yes, yes. It's beautiful. And yeah. you can't lose What no. Remains of Edith Finch. You, no. you're, you are simply playing through a story and it's about sort of like a horror was very doomed family. It's if you mm. love the doomed family saga. Give me a little Haunting of Hill House. Give me yeah, a little Shirley yeah. Jackson. Yeah, it's yeah, sure, yeah. It's very Shirley Jackson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I think it's a great entry point. Do you know what it is? I think it's a really, really great one. There are so many different ways to play a video game and different yeah. kinds of games to play. It's such a rich experience. It does not, it might have began with a gun, but it doesn't end there. Mm. You know, it's, it's, open and if Candy Crush is a game but I assure you there are other ways to stare into into nothing you know and I I play a lot of Candy Crush I do I will open up my phone I play a lot of um, Bubble Bubble on my phone Bubble Bubble a true classic (laughs) but I think that if you can make the reach across the bridge or if you were Mm. a girl with a controller in your hand and haven't been able to find your way back there it's waiting for you Oh, I, I really hope people hear this podcast and yeah, find too. their way back. Find your way is, back. It's one of the best. We're waiting for you, you know. We're across yeah. the bridge and we're waiting for you. We're asking you to jump. Come you on, know? we've got a Pokeball with your <laughs> name on it, baby. Because <laughs> it is one of the best gifts I've given myself in adult life. It is. is. Is an interesting video game. And the conversations that we've had have been so rewarding. Every so often yeah. I'll get a text from you saying, what am I going to play? Or, hey, Griff, what are you playing? Yeah. And that is... That is, it's such a luxury to talk to other women about video games. And because they want to talk about different stuff. They do. You, you, everybody's experience with play in that way is so different and beautiful. But you never know how many girls are out there killing their swims in their pool. You know, there's more of us than you think. I really want to hear from people if they download any of these games that we've recommended. Oh, yes. God, I really hope you do. I yeah. hope you do. Uh, you're you're at Grifsky on Instagram. I am. Oh, I'm at Sarah Grifsky on Instagram, at Grifsky on Twitter, but uh, Sarah Grifsky on, on, on IG. Yeah. So come to Sarah with your with, with your various preferences, <laughs> and she will give you a game. Yeah, I'll do your. I'll I'll read your palm. Yeah, you know, sweet apothecary. Your yeah, games yeah. are cheap. They are. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Bye. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Cara. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com